I invite you to turn with me to Daniel chapter 7. We're going to look in depth at something we kind of looked at last week, but looked at it uh, very briefly as we took chapter 7 in, in, uh, as a total unit. Uh, I didn't feel like today we would have time to cover all of chapter 8, so I'm going to focus in on these two verses in chapter 7, and as well wanted to spend a little more time than we normally do on the Lord's Supper. Uh, I feel like sometimes we give the Lord's Supper short shrift, and, uh, and it is, uh, an in, it's instituted by Christ until he comes again, and it's something that's very important, uh, and it's uh, a means of grace for us. So we're going to spend a little more time on the Lord's Supper this morning, and not just Tack it on to the end of the service, as sometimes happens when maybe I preach too long. Uh, but we're going to look at briefly at uh, these two verses, Daniel 7, verses 13 and 14, and draw some significance out of that, them this morning. It says here, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. May God add his blessings to the reading and hearing of his word this morning. In Matthew 16, Jesus asked the disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? Son of Man is a reference to this passage that we've just read from Daniel chapter 7, the Son of Man. Jesus used it as a designation for himself. And he's asking the disciples, you know, what's people's opinion of me? Who do they say I am? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. If you ask that very same question today, uh, who, who is Jesus? Um, you would probably get a different answer than the one the disciples gave. The disciples said, uh, John the Baptist, Elijah, uh, or maybe one of the prophets like Jeremiah. But you would get uh, different answers today equally as wrong as the one the disciples received. You might hear people say that, oh, Jesus was a really good teacher. That, that's a, a popular one in our day and time. And he was a good teacher. He was much more than that, but they would limit him to just being the good teacher. Uh, he might uh, be called a, a Jewish revolutionary who lived during the Roman era. Some people would even say, oh, he's just a fictional person. He didn't really exist. He's just someone that uh, the early Christians made up to uh, start their religion going. There's all kinds of different Answers, And they're all a far cry from the description that we have in Daniel chapter 7, 13 and 14. The one like a son of man who came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him, who was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. That's the picture we get here in Daniel. The term son of man was Jesus' favorite designation for himself. Uh, we see it in the Gospels 82 times, and almost without exception, there are two or three exceptions, Jesus is using that speaking of himself. Sometimes uh, there are a couple of uh, exceptions where someone is referring to uh, the Son of Man or to uh, a say. But anyway, 
Jesus used this overwhelmingly more than any other designation that he used for himself. He chose this designation over some that would seem to be more likely that he would or should use. We might think, why didn't he just use the term Messiah? Because that's what he was, and and that's what the people were looking for, and why didn't he just identify himself as such? But the reason he chose Son of Man over Messiah was that there was too much misunderstanding about the nature of the Messiah. Often in the Gospels you'll find when people rightly identify Jesus as the Messiah, he, he tells them, don't tell anybody. And the reason that he does that is because he doesn't want there to be misunderstanding about the nature of his mission. At one point in John, because they rightly identify him as the Messiah, they try to make him king by force. They thought the Messiah was going to be someone like David or Moses, a, a political military leader, and Jesus didn't come to do that. So he didn't want to be misunderstood. Neither did Jesus refer to himself often as the Son of God, which he was, uh, because it would cause too much controversy. And that's one of the reasons given by the religious leaders when they decide to put him to death, to crucify him. They claim that he was blaspheming because he made himself to be the Son of God. Well, it wasn't blaspheming uh, because he was the Son of God. And you can say that when it's true without it being blasphemy. So Jesus uses this term, Son of Man. He designates himself as this person from Daniel's vision. And I believe what Daniel is seeing here in this vision is the ascension, what we refer to as the ascension of Christ. After Jesus rose from the dead, uh, he appeared to his disciples for 40 days, and then in Acts chapter 1 we read uh, about how he is uh, taken up in the clouds out of their sight. You'll notice in verse 13 that it says, The Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven. He appears before the throne. He's presented before the Ancient of Days. Daniel's describing the scene here, and what he sees is one like a son of man. And he's referring to the fact that the person he sees in this dream, in this vision, is a man. That term son of man is used throughout the Old Testament, and it refers to being human. It refers to God addressing someone, O son of man, meaning you're a a human being and I'm talking to you. Uh, So here, uh, Daniel is seeing this vision of one who looks like a human, as opposed to these four beasts that he's already seen, these grotesque beasts that makes Daniel disturbed when he sees them and all that they are doing. But here's one who appears before the throne who looks human. The four beasts represent human kingdoms, but they don't act like humans. They act more like beasts than human, like wild animals. And they're, they're, they're laying down a path of destruction in their wake. But then we see this one who has all glory and dominion and a kingdom who is very much human. And what Daniel's vision is telling us is that the Son of Man, this, this one that's presented before the Ancient of Days, is the quintessential man. He's the Son of Man. The quintessential man, the best man. He is the greatest man returning victorious from his mission to accomplish all that humanity was intended to do and to become all that humanity was intended to be. He is Jesus Christ who came as a man, the Son of God becoming the Son of Man. And he accomplished all that man was supposed to accomplish. 
He lived the perfect life. He kept the law without fault, which is what we were supposed to do, but we didn't. We, we fell in the garden, and we all have a sin nature, and we don't keep the law perfectly. Christ came and did it as a substitute in our place. He performed what we couldn't perform, and he also paid what we did not want to pay. He paid the penalty for our sin. He came and, and died in our place. And he conquers all his and our enemies. He conquers sin by overcoming it and paying for it on the cross. He overcomes the forces of evil uh, and Satan and, and, and hell uh, and, and destroys all their, their uh, schemes against his people. Yes, the battle rages on, but the ultimate victory has been sealed. And their fate is sealed. And also, he has conquered the final enemy, death, by rising from the dead. And because he has conquered all enemies, it tells us that he was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. This son of man who came and did all this great work for humanity is now returning to heaven and he is, he is receiving the honor and glory due to what he's accomplished in our place. He was given dominion. This is uh, governmental dominion, uh, authority and power to rule. Uh, a, do a domain is the area over which someone rules. He's got a dominion that is an everlasting dominion. It, it never ends. It will not pass away. His power and authority have no end. It doesn't wax and wane with the changing times. Christ is seated on the throne and his dominion uh, is, is over all things. And he's given glory. The word there means weight or value, importance and status. You know, that which he's earned by being the perfect man, by doing the will of the Father, by coming and laying down his life and rising from the dead and accomplishing salvation for his people. Yes, he's very important. And he's worthy of all glory and he receives that. And he's given a kingdom, sovereign power, and it will not be destroyed. It's universal. It's everlasting. It's, it's the, the one kingdom that will remain forever. All other kingdoms will fail, but his will go on and on. For what purpose is he given this dominion and glory and a kingdom? And it tells us there that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. Well, I started just a moment ago with Matthew 16, where Jesus asked the disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they gave their answers. And then he said to the disciples specifically, but who do you say that I am? And that's the question for us this morning. Do we believe that Jesus Christ is this Son of Man who is given dominion everlasting dominion, glory, and a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. Do we really believe that Jesus is that one, that Son of Man, who has everlasting dominion, glory, and a kingdom that shall never be destroyed? If we do, according to this passage, we should serve him. Simple as that. We should serve him. Well, it sounds simple enough. But if you're like me, and I suspect that you are, or at least most of you, I find that I often live if my dominion was an everlasting dominion. 
I call the shots in my world. It's my life. And I do what I want to do without regard to the Lord of Lords. I want to be the Lord. And I fight with myself to to lay down my arms and to submit to his rule, his dominion. And I find also that I often live as if other things were more important than Jesus, more weighty, more valuable than Jesus. So many times there are things that often matter more to me than Jesus. And then as well, I often work hard to build up my own little kingdom, the kingdom of Tim, the kingdom of my life, my accomplishments, my status. And I've forgotten that all kingdoms except one will pass away. They will be destroyed. And if I've invested all my energy and time and effort into building up my own kingdom, you know, ruling my own life and 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 commanding uh, over whatever I do without regard to the Lord, that it's, it's going to pass away, and I'm going to pass away with it. I forget that sometimes, and I suspect that we all do. We all struggle with that. Not giving Christ his due, his dominion, his glory, his kingdom. We struggle with that. But why not? Why is it bad to live this way? And I came up with two answers to that question, and, and I think they're worth considering. Why is, it, why is it bad to act like Jesus' dominion is not an everlasting dominion, that our dominion is more important, or that our, the, the glory we find in other things is greater than his glory, or that uh, we want to build up our own kingdom, our own self-kingdom, instead of serving his kingdom? Well, the first reason that it's not a good idea to do these things is you're going to lose. You're not going to win. Uh, you're going to be destroyed. Your kingdom is not going to last. Uh, the glory that you find in other things is uh, fleeting. And uh, any dominion that you have will be taken away and given to the Lord Jesus. So you're going to lose. Uh, it's not a good proposition to try to fight God's kingdom, uh, his dominion, or his glory, it's a losing proposition. It's futile, pointless. And then second of all, the reason that I want to have my own dominion, glory, and kingdom is because I want my freedom. I want to express my freedom. You know, we, we want to do what we want to do, and we want to call the shots, and that is uh, on a lot of people's lips in our day and time. We don't want anybody judging us or telling us what we can and can't do. I was thinking about the Commodores, and the, the singing group, the Commodores. And I was thinking about that song, Easy, like Sunday morning, though I fail to see what's so easy about Sunday morning. It's kind of hard on Sunday morning, especially for the preacher. He's up early, working. But here's what he says, Lionel Richie. Why in the world would anybody put chains on me? I've paid my dues to make it. Everybody wants me to be what they want me to be. I'm not happy when I try to fake it. And he goes on and says, I want to be free. So free. I want to be free to know the things I do are right. I want to be free, just me. 
And that expresses it, doesn't it? We want to be free. But the second reason, this reason that I'm getting to, the second reason it's not a good idea to resist his kingdom, his dominion, and his glory is that it's not true freedom to resist that, his kingdom, his glory, his dominion. You're not free. Because everybody serves something. There's another song, Bob Dylan. He said in his Christian phase, you've got to serve somebody. I think he should have said, you're going to serve somebody. You're going to serve somebody. It may be the devil. It may be the Lord. Everybody serves somebody. A lot of times when we try to be free, we're just enslaving ourselves to something, whatever it might be that we're pursuing. If we think, you know, true freedom is found in, you know, rising up the corporate ladder, and that makes me significant, and I want to, I'm going to pursue that with all my heart, well, you end up becoming a slave to your work. And if it's relationships, you, you end up being a slave to everybody's opinion of you. We're constantly struggling to be free and finding ourselves entangled in slavery. Sin is slavery. Sin enslaves always. I love this quote by R.C. Trench. He says... The only true freedom is the freedom in God. To depart from him is not to throw off the yoke, but to exchange a light yoke for a heavy one, and one gracious master for a thousand tyrannous lords. That's a profound quote right there. We might think that we're just going to throw off the yoke of God and do what we want to do, but what we're actually doing is we're taking off a light yoke and exchanging it for a heavy yoke. We're trading a gracious master for a thousand tyrannous lords. It's not a good choice, not a wise idea. Listen to the words of our gracious master, our king, the son of man, the one who has all dominion and glory and kingdom. He he is not a despot. He's not a dictator. He's not a, an, an overlord who's overbearing. But he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's the kind of master you want to serve. And you know, when you, when you do that, when you, when you give your life to him and serve him and give him the glory and serve his kingdom and, and live under his dominion, it's peace, it's true freedom there. That's where it's found. To be all that we were created to be because that's what God's trying to, to get us to. And he's going to get his people there one day glorified in the new heavens and new earth. It's going to be like it was meant to be before sin entered the world. That's what God's doing. And when we fight against that, we just enslave ourselves. So come to the Lord. And there's wonderful benefits of being a part of his kingdom, wonderful blessings that abound, and you don't have to pay for them. Uh, They're free. Uh, It's not a tax. (laughs) It's, It's not a kingdom that comes in and takes all your stuff. It's a kingdom that comes in and and gives you, without money, without cost, uh, life. And and that's the greatest gift of all that God could give to us. And And he wants us to have that.
Let's pray.